Some girls put it to you and make you scream in pain. Some will say they knew you and then forget your name. Welcome one and all to Backtrack Aerosmith Revisited. My name is Corey Morissette, joined as always by the sexiest man in podcasting. He doesn't know how to work anything audio related, but he's here tonight talking Aerosmith, Scott K. Haskin. How are you doing, Scott? Well, I, you know, I'm a little befuddled, Corey. I've only been an audio engineer for 30 plus years and um, have no idea what's going on with audio in today's world. But I'm happy to, to be here with you, my friend, and talking some Aerosmith. That's right. If Scott sounds uh, extra shitty tonight, it's because he's recording this off his phone because we tried like heck to get his, uh, his, his PC audio working and it just wasn't coming through. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. Uh, nothing has changed in the setup. Uh, everything's working on on my end. It's just you can't hear me. So uh, at least we found a way to still to get the show done. That's right. The whole time I was thinking, how do I get Kevin Brown on the line real quick, and maybe he could just take over. But I, I had I'm it with sure this he, with this guy he, from Vegas. Actually, uh, I want to talk to you about Vegas a little bit, Scott, because yeah. uh, my friends are in Vegas this weekend. Oh, uh, very cool. Yeah, uh, they they came all the way from Regina, Saskatchewan. They went to Lady Gaga mm-hmm. on uh, Thursday or Friday, whatever it was. Then the next night at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, it was pink, mm. had a great time in that show. And then Monday night, uh, they thought, ah, we got an extra 600 bucks. They went and caught the Raiders game on Monday night football. So they, they had a rip-roaring good time in Las Vegas. Now, I'm sure you took in all those events as well. Uh, I don't think I've left the house but once in the last week. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that's that's one thing is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of the only locals that I know of that actually enjoys going down to the Strip. Most of them avoid it like the plague. And even more so now with all the Formula One construction and everything. Um, but no, I, I haven't. I've heard that that the Raiders game was amazing. I've heard the stadium's fantastic. Uh, I've heard that uh, both of those concerts were were just hugely successful, uh, except for the the traffic backups where people were just stuck in parking garages and couldn't get uh, places. My, my buddy's daughter had gotten in a car accident and he was stuck oh, in the no. parking garage. He couldn't get out. Oh, geez. Hopefully everything's okay. Yeah, uh, the Sphere uh, with the U2 kickoff was a pretty big hit, except for, again, exiting. Apparently, they didn't really think about how wide the bridge needed to be to let all those people out at once. And uh, there was uh, quite a long backup there. So I think I think they need to, to do some thinking. Yeah, my, my friends are still in Vegas, and they talked they were going to go see the, uh, the movie that's playing at the Sphere when U2 isn't performing. Mm-hmm. They're, they're playing a 15-minute film. They were going to go yeah. check that out. I'm like, you know, Wednesday night, uh, U2 is still doing a show. Uh, on Wednesday night, they're they're still there tonight. I'm like, why, why don't you go check out U2 at the Sphere? There's a couple of couple of floor packages that opened up. I saw, but I think maybe they spent all their money because they didn't even go to the the Vegas Golden Knights home opener, which would have been last night, which mm-hmm. was uh, amazing by the sounds of it because they had the Stanley Cup there. They raised a banner and they beat the Seattle Kraken four to one. I love the the Seattle Kraken. I mean, that's just amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah, my my friend Katie Marie is kind of their uh, their their physical uh, in arena commentator person, and then uh, my friend Tyler was playing bass, I guess, opening up the show. So uh, yeah, I, I've heard it was a, an amazing game. I haven't seen it yet, but uh, yeah, you know, they could have gone and seen a Cirque show too, for for way less money than you too. Oh, I know, and they've been to Vegas before. Uh, I know they saw uh, Phil Collins on his Not Dead Yet tour uh, in Vegas, so I'm sure they, they caught some Cirque du Soleil then, but they're sure yeah. uh, packing a lot in in like six days. But still, yeah, I mean, how do, you, how, do you, 
how do you go to Vegas and not go to a Golden Knights game, though? I mean, like, they do things so good uh, at that rink uh, for hockey. Like, uh, everybody I talked to that watched it on TV said, that is by far the best uh, Stanley Cup uh, banner raising ever. Because, of course, they had, like, the giant stone, and the knight skated out, and he pulled Excalibur from the stone, and he pointed right. at a thing. And then Mark Stone, who was the captain, came out with the Stanley Cup, and everybody went nuts, and the big banner came up. And, oh, just phenomenal job. They really do it upright nice in Vegas. My guess would be that there probably wasn't tickets available. Probably I not, imagine no. for the Stanley Cup opener, that probably was sold out weeks ago. They've done such a good job marketing that team in Las Vegas. Like, uh, you know, yeah. even, uh, you know, minor hockey is is kind of growing uh, in the Las Vegas desert now, too. Like, they just, they built it up from the grassroots, and they're getting a lot of locals involved and really making it a great uh, family-friendly uh, event and, and really doing a great job because there there are some things I hear Scott that are not so family friendly in Las Vegas <laughs> one or two yeah uh, it, it's really interesting how you know you take one of the hottest spots in the country and you put a game that is played on ice in it and somehow uh, it works it, it's all about how you do it because they tried it in Phoenix Arizona and failed miserably but it seems well, to be did, doing okay, okay. They did all right for a while in Phoenix, but I think they don't have they didn't have a contending team. I think if, if the Vegas Golden Knights had started and they were a bottom tier team, didn't make the playoffs the first year, I don't know how well it would be going. I think the fact that they just came out with a bang made the difference. And now uh, the Raiders, who aren't a great football team but are still drawing really well, like I said, my friends had to pay six hundred bucks to go sit in the nosebleeds of Allegiant Stadium yeah. for Monday Night Football, but had a great time. Like they really do it great at that stadium too. And now. Uh, they're going to tear down the the flamingo. Is is that correct to build the new baseball stadium? Uh, the the yeah the plan is the Tropicana. Um, that's oh, the, Tropicana. The, the the south end of the strip uh, across from the Luxor, and then the only thing you have past that is Mandalay Bay on the other side. But you've got MGM right across the street, which is where they do the fights. Then you've got uh, right across the uh, other corner from that, you've got where the Golden Knights play across the highway is Allegiant Stadium. It's a very congested area. Uh, the last that I heard, they still do not have approval from the baseball commission to actually move yet, but they're already planning on uh, getting rid of the the Tropicana sign. <laughs> they, they're making all these plans and they don't even have approval yet. So uh, I don't know. I, I stayed at the Luxor uh, my second time in Las Vegas. That That is a, a unique place, uh, especially it with is. the elevators because they, they go up and down on an, on a slant. Some of them do, yeah. If you're staying in the pyramid, you get the uh, the inclinator is what they call them, which is uh, really great if you've had a couple of drinks. I um, know. Luxor is my favorite hotel by far. Um, that's where I usually park and start my walks. Um, I love the atmosphere there. Um, it's changed a lot, but um, definitely a cool place. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. The, the other big question is if the A's move, where are they going to play for the next couple of years? Because mm -hmm. they're not looking at starting here until I think it's 2026, 2027 by the time the stadium's built. So what do they do in the meantime? So does uh, UNLV have like a baseball program or anything? I don't know. if I know they have a football stadium. I know there's a couple of baseball stadiums where they could play, but it's kind of, you know, you're renting instead of buying, which is a really weird thing for a pro team to not have their own home. Yeah, well, I'm I'm trying to think of other transplanted teams. What did they do? And I I can't think of any actually because I know when like Montreal lost the Expos, they went to Washington. I think they had a diamond pretty much right mm -hmm. off the hop. Yeah. Anywho, yep. 
I, I just want to talk a little Las Vegas because I'm living yeah. vicariously through a few of my friends. And of course, well, we're hoping that uh, Steven Tyler will heal up enough and maybe add some Las Vegas dates to the Peace Out Tour in 2024. That would be amazing. Did your friends uh, make any comments about the Sphere? Uh, I haven't talked to them since they were going to the Sphere today. Uh, I talked to oh, them okay. yesterday. And they sent a bunch of pictures from Allegiant Stadium. And uh, where they're staying, they can see the Sphere because they got a picture of the you know, the yellow smiley face that like winks oh. and looks around and stuff. Yeah. They mm -hmm. said that was kind of disconcerting. You look out your window and you see this face staring back at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's what I imagine marriage is like. Hey, oh, I tell you though, uh, you two getting some pretty damn good reviews for their uh, residency at the sphere, I guess. Sounds a bit amazing. Mm -hmm. Obviously the visual show on the big LED screens looks great. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, you got to figure for everything they put into the outside of it, what they were going to do inside had to be pretty magnificent and state of the art equipment. And uh, I, I'm sure the sound in there is phenomenal. I, I'll be curious to go to something there and see what the sound is like in a because it's not, you know, a square or a rectangle. I'll be curious to see how the sound travels and what it's really like. But but since the sound is in the seats as well. Uh, I imagine you get more from that than you do from what the like the physical sound traveling would be. So it should be interesting. Probably like there's twenty thousand seats and over one hundred and thirty thousand speakers. They said so. Uh, you're getting sound from all over the damn place. Yeah, absolutely. A lot. Speaking of a lot, um, earlier in the show, I, I I said a quote from an Aerosmith song during the intro. Do you know what uh, song that was from? I don't. Is uh, it on the dice though? Uh, it's not. Some girls put it to you, make you scream in pain. Some will say they knew you, then forget your name. Uh, the next part of the song is Sheila, real tight. Sheila, that's right. <laughs> Sheila. Well, okay. Those two lines were good. I didn't hear it with the music. So uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate you throwing that at me, Corey. Well, I figured we're, we're starting late because Scott couldn't figure out how to get his microphone working. I'm going to pick a Sheila song for some lyrics for you. So there you go. Always thinking about you, my friend. Well, I'm, I'm, we, we're going to start late anyway because of your delay, but I'm glad that we started earlier so that we had time to work out our garbage <laughs> before we started. <laughs> All right, let's uh, recap last week. We had Can't Stop Loving You from Music from Another Dimension. I really dig that song. Uh, you kind of liked it too, just not mm -hmm. well enough to uh, replace anything from the all-time top nine, which is side B of our mixtape. Uh, so it is now off the mixtape. The week before that, we had something from music from another dimension and boy was that something uh that was not a long conversation it did not make the mixtape either we still have one more song from music from another dimension on the dice that we're going to roll this week to determine this week's song uh it's called we all fall down we also have pandora's box from get your wings think about it from night in the ruts back in the saddle from rocks love in an elevator from pump and make it from the self-titled album so scott haskin uh what are you hoping to roll here tonight you know, Corey, you and I have been wanting a hit for a long time, so I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, go with "Back in the Saddle." And you know what? Uh, it's been all Scott songs for the last few weeks, so I'm gonna try a little verse psychology, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hear Pandora's Box from from Get Your Wings. That's another Scott addition uh, to the dice. So uh, you want to hear "Back in the Saddle," which is one of yours. I want to hear Pandora's Box, which is one of yours. Let's see what we get. We'll throw it over to Steven Tyler. And we are going to get to think about it from Night in the Ruts. This is a song I put on the dice because, to be honest with you, I didn't really remember that much about it. Night in the Ruts is not an album I, I put on my turntable a ton. 
Uh, I dig it, and there's a lot of good stuff on it. Uh, this came after Draw the Line in 1979, so the band is really in a bad place here. Um, Joe Perry actually left the band uh, midway through uh, the recording of this record. Uh, so uh, this is going to be interesting here tonight. Uh, what do you know, uh, if anything, from Night in the Ruts? Uh, just that the band was kind of a disaster at this point. Um, I'm going to take a look at my uh, my list here if I can find it, because I don't really remember what we've listened to from that album. And, of course, I can't. Oh, there it is. Um, yeah, I've had a, a fairly positive reaction to this so far, so it uh, should be interesting. We'll uh, We'll see where it goes. I'm always optimistic going into a song with this band because even even when they're kind of a mess behind the scenes, they can still put out some good music. So with with Joe being out, um, I guess it depends. Was, he was on some of the album and not, right? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, because he left uh, halfway uh, through. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if he played on this one or not. I'm going to try and look that up here as we go. Okay, should be interesting. Uh, he completed guitar parts for No Surprise, Chiquita, Cheesecake, Reefer-Headed Woman, and A Three Mile Smile, and Bone to Bone. Uh, so he did not play on this one. This would have been Brad Whitford, Richie Supa, Neil Thompson, and Jimmy Crespo. But this is not an original Aerosmith song, correct? It, that is correct. It is a, a cover of a Yardbird song, which uh, one of Aerosmith's favorite uh, bands was the Yardbirds. And this is a song they used to perform throughout the 70s, so... Kind of, you know, it was kind of an easy one for them to to break out because they had played it uh, so many times before. Yeah, so hopefully that'll at least give them a little bit more power in the in the performance because it was familiar and not something that they they had to put together at that time. Uh, Yardbirds were a great band; they really were. Uh, Jimmy Page, uh, part of the Yardbirds back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and their like their vocal harmonies were really good. It, it's interesting to listen to them because they sound so sixties. I mean that that sixties sound with the reverb and everything that that uh, we had back then. That I, I get really nostalgic for that sound because I I grew up on that kind of music. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to see. Yeah, they they don't really list uh, at least what I'm looking at here who actually played guitar. And I know Jimmy Crespo uh, played. Uh, lead on Three Mile Small, Richie Supa played guitars on No Surprise and Mia. Uh, Neil Thompson played on Chiquita, but nobody, they don't really say who the hell played guitar on Think About It. So hmm. who knows? Maybe maybe it was just uh, Brad Whitford. Who knows? Could be. Or maybe they got Jimmy Page and just didn't tell anybody. Jimmy Page has been known to uh, to jam with the boys in Aerosmith from time to time. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, boy, that would be, wouldn't that be something if you were at one of their farewell concerts and Jimmy Page walked up? <laughs> Man, Vegas, I'm telling you, save it for Vegas. I'm going to come to Vegas. We're going to check out this show, and then I can kill two birds with one stone, see Jimmy Page play as well. What do you say? Uh, let's check out the uh, eighth track from 1979's Night in the Ruts. This is Think About It. Hey, that sounds an awful lot like rats in the cellar. Mm. Dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun, dun. 
Yeah, it does. I was going to say that that opening part actually reminded me of uh, the the opening guitars in Jesus Christ Superstar the, in the movie version. That very um, beginning of it, yeah. Back yeah, and then uh, it, I mean it's it's a pretty simple one, but it's got a good tempo to it. Um, I, I like the energy in it so far. Uh, I just kind of looking up uh, the Yardbirds. Their final single uh, was a song called "Goodnight, Sweet Josephine." The B side to that single was "Think About It." Oh, okay. Uh, which they, they call a proto-Zeppelin page riff and snippets of Days to Confuse guitar solo. I could, I could see a little bit of the, the Zeppelin feel in it so far. Mm -hmm. uh, at least, you know, it's, it's hard to say because we're also listening to Aerosmith's version of it. So, uh, but, but just, just the, the overall sound of it, yeah, I could see that being on a Zeppelin album. When will the clouds all roll away? When will the is it is it me or does it feel like steven's just dialing in that verse what do you mean by dialing in like he's just saying the words like he doesn't really care that he's singing the song i don't I, I mean i don't know the song by the yardbirds but it just it just feels like he's not really there for it it doesn't have that steven tyler passion we heard maybe on a few songs we've recently done like uh, living on the edge or even can't yeah. stop loving you with that we had last week he mm -hmm. sang the fuck out of that right but here yeah it's just kind of take a while think about yeah yeah he's a little monotone little and again you know he was pretty fucked up at this uh, point uh in Aerosmith's career but uh this is a song they, they played uh, quite a few times from what I could gather. So, yeah, a little surprised that it's as lifeless as it is. Yeah. I'll tell you that baseline cooks, though. Oh, definitely. Before we get deep into the guitars there, uh, I love that long uh, extended note though. But I, I found yeah. a quote here from Tom Hamilton about the recording because uh, there were a ton of delays uh, in the recording of this due to rampant drug use. Mm -hmm. uh, and Steven, I guess, had a lot of problems completing lyrics and vocals. And Tom Hamilton uh, said, quote, we worked on the album, but we couldn't finish it. It was supposed to come out in June and be called Off Your Rocker, but there were no lyrics. It was a big crisis. And the band was also in uh, bad financial straits, apparently, too. Uh, Joe Perry owed the band $80,000 from room service. How do you rack up $80,000 in room service bills? Yeah, I mean, are they delivering Coke right to the room at that point? Or, <laughs> oh, maybe. I, mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know how you, how you could possibly. I, I don't know how you would say if somebody put you on a game show and said you have five days or seven days to rack up 80 grand. How would you do that? There's only so much porn you can watch. I know. They like, it didn't say he was trashing his room or anything. It was all from room service. Yeah. I mean, that's, I don't know how you do that. That's, that sounds like one of those rock and roll stories, you know, that yeah. maybe stretched a little bit. 
but you know, I, I like the tone of the song. I think it, musically, uh, especially when it goes into that lower part, I love the sound of it. Um, I think the, the musicians are there. I think the music track is there. I'm just not, I'm just not buying Stephen on this one. And uh, I wanted to call it the production a little bit, because this is uh, the first album that Jack Douglas did not produce uh, with the band. I guess uh, he kind of fell out of favor with the band when he divorced his wife, who the band really, really liked. And uh, because Draw the Line didn't do very well, the label was able to say, well, you, you know, the last album tanked, so we're going to get in somebody else. They brought in Gary Lyons uh, to produce this one. But I thought the production uh, of the song so far sounds really good. Well, I've been a little afraid to judge that because I'm not listening on my regular studio headphones mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, like you said, I don't know anything about audio. Um, so I, I, it sounds a little bit raw to me, but I've been afraid to comment on that because I don't really know that it sounds this way. It could just be my, my earbuds. Well, you're in for a surprise when you hear this episode back uh, with your good cans on. You go, oh, that song does sound good. Okay, good. I mean, balance-wise, I can tell it's there. It, the mix sounds a little, just like a little bit rough um, in, in overall tone, but I think it's just like the, the EQ difference between my earbuds and my normal headphones. So I, I, I'll give it, uh, I'll, I'll trust you on that because you know what good music sounds like, Corey. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> This is pissed me off. I can't find who played guitar on this track because I really love the guitars on that solo section there. I I don't know. I I really kind of torn because the first half of it was really just sound effects, and then it went into the the opening riff, and then it went into kind of a solo. It was kind of all over the place to me. I mean, the the last half of it I really liked, but the first half just seemed really like I don't know what to do. Uh, somebody's in the studio. We got to get this thing done. Whoever's there, grab a guitar and start making sounds. I got to think that was Joe. I, I, I can't see it on here. Uh, and when I Google who played guitar on Aerosmith, think about it. All I get is who actually played guitar on train kept rolling, uh, way back <laughs> in the day. And that was uh, Steve Hunter, uh, for all those people who are wondering, uh, I, I got to think maybe this was Joe Perry because, uh, some great slide work, uh, I thought yeah. it was great. We had uh, Brad playing great on rhythm. 
Well, we don't have the chronology, so it's very possible that this was one of the tracks he played on before he left, or at least recorded like a scratch solo, and they're like, all right, we're using this. Yeah. Because they recorded for a bit, and then they went out on a tour to try and pay to finish off the recording. Uh, and so everything was kind of rushed after that, and uh, it, it was just kind of a mess. It's amazing this album turned out as good as it did, but it's got some absolute all-time Aerosmith classics on it, like No Surprise, mm-hmm. uh, Bone to Bone, which we covered on here, Reefer Headed. Yeah. Down. You know, and, and think about how weird that is for a band that was as successful as Aerosmith was to not have the money to finish paying off their own album. I mean, this isn't, they're not 16-year-old kids going into the studio for the first time. They're really established at this point. So it's, I mean, it's it's so sad in a way that they got to that point. But in another way, look at what they turned out anyway. All right, that's Think About It from Night in the Ruts. Scott Haskin, what did you think? Well, I like that Stephen kind of became more aware at the end. Um, I, I felt like he he found his spot in the song, uh, maybe a little incoherent, but, uh, but, but the energy was there. Um, solo, I'm kind of back and forth on. Um, musically, I think it was pretty good. I, I just think it was, it was, they just should have re-recorded the vocals and maybe the first half of that solo. See, and I didn't mind that at all. I, I agree with you on Steven. I, I thought the band was really good on this, and I dig the tune. Uh, but the question now becomes, uh, Scott, uh, think about it. Night in the Ruts, does it belong on our mixtape? And let's just go through the songs on the deep cut side of the mixtape. We have Hearts Done Time, Roadrunner, No More, No More, Girl Keeps Coming Apart, Bone to Bone from this album, The Farm, Simariah, Rats in the Cellar, and Combination. So uh, I think it's my turn to start. I don't remember who started last. I believe it is, yeah. All right, I'm going to kick things off. Uh, I like Think About It. I like the Yardbirds. I like Aerosmith. I like this tune. Uh, It's not remarkable, I I think, in any way. It sounds almost kind of like stock Aerosmith, even though it's a Yardbirds tune. It it sounds like a song they could turn out in their sleep, and they played this song uh, in the 70s before they even recorded this record. Um, I like everything they did on it, just maybe not enough to put it on the deep cut side. So another good tune gets a thumbs up for me, but... I don't think it belongs on side A of our mixtape. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, we've got some really stiff competition here. And so it's, you know, even though we've traded songs out a lot in the last couple of months, I, I really feel like it's it's really got to be all there to even have a chance. And I think there's enough about it that doesn't quite land to uh, to, to not put it on there. But I, I would not be surprised if there aren't some really good live versions of this song out there, whether, I mean, I don't know if they're on any of the live albums, but I bet they really bring it live when they're coherent. It's time to play. How many times did Aerosmith actually perform? Think about it. Now, this is according to setlist.fm, and I'm looking at the number here, and I don't believe it. So keep that in mind, Scott, when you make your guess, because from what I was reading, uh, they used to play it throughout the 70s. One of their favorite covers. How many times do you think Aerosmith performed? Think about it. 
Well, you know, it's random, of course. The number that pops into my head is 138, but I don't know how that correlates to what you wouldn't believe. So that's what I'm going with. That's what's in my gut. 138? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you're close, but... According to Setlist.fm, they performed it 12 times. What? Yeah. That's wow. why I don't believe it. <laughs> yeah, that that sounds a little low for our, our, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. They, they say the first time was November 6, 1970 at Nipmuc Regional High School in Menden, Massachusetts. The last time, July 7, 2007, at the Hartwall Arena in Helsinki, Finland. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel that's kind of low for a song that they really liked as a band. Um, I, I don't know. You know, the thing about Setlist FM is that there's no uh, guarantee that it's accurate. And although a lot of what we find seems reasonable, um, that number could have been 12. It could have been 138. And I don't I don't think it would have phased us if it was much higher. So I don't know. I mean, maybe that's true. Maybe it isn't as big of a song for them as we thought. That's the only uh, only caveat I could put on it where I, I would say that that might be accurate. But what I mean, before that, though, that's not a lot of times. I mean, you can play right. anything at a high school gig, too. That's that's where you experiment. And, you know, when you're playing like a church auditorium or a high school arena or whatever, um, you know, you, you just throw out whatever you feel like playing. I want to see what else uh, Setlist.fm says they played at that show. Uh, so they said that night the set list was Route 66, Rattlesnake Shake by Fleetwood Mac, Happenings 10 Years Time Ago by the Yardbirds, Moving Out, Somebody, uh, Think About It, Walking the Dog, Live With Me by the Rolling Stones, Great Balls of Fire, Good Times, Bad Times, and The Train Kept the Rolling. So. You know, if, if Steven's in top form, I could see him singing the hell out of Great Balls of Fire. Me too. Why that didn't close the show? I guess Train Kept Rolling is a good one too, but to to go from that to Good Times, Bad Times is kind of weird. Don't you want to yeah. open with Good Times, Bad Times? That's such a great opener. Dun, dun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah. That's the opener, not Route 66. What the fuck? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, they were young. I guess. Ish. That was 1970s, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, hmm, I, I, I'd have to, I wonder if there's a version of them doing Great Balls of Fire out there. I'd like to hear that. No kidding. Got to try and look that one up. That would be really interesting. But before we do that, Scott, I got to replace the song on the dice. So you do. Finally, finally, I get to pick one. And I'm thinking, you know what? We, we just had a, a night in the ruts and we were talking about Jimmy Crespo a little bit. And it's like, I, I kind of want to do a Jimmy Crespo song. Uh, his album, of course, was Rock in a Hard Place. We haven't done a ton uh, from Rock in a Hard Place. And there's a song on there called Joni's Butterfly that is credited to Steven Tyler, Jimmy Crespo, and Jack Douglas. And I thought, you know what? I don't recall Joni's Butterfly all that well. Let's put that one on there. So for next week, joining Pandora's Box, We All Fall Down, Back in the Saddle, Loving an Elevator, and Pump, and Make It, I'm putting Joni's Butterfly from Rock in a Hard Place. I'm just going to make an assumption right now, Corey, that that's about a girl who has a butterfly collection, and she has one particular butterfly that she really cares about, and not that it's a metaphor at all. I don't see how you could jump to any other conclusion. That is 100% correct. <laughs> Joni's got a butterfly collection, absolutely. It's a precursor to Silence of the Lambs, maybe, with his uh, fascination <laughs> with uh, exotic moths and butterflies. It puts the lotion on its skin. That's right. I knew you were going to go there.
<laughs> apparently, uh, uh, I'm looking at a quote here. Uh, Joni's Butterfly is one of the few pleasant surprises from this record. It's called Psychede- Psychedelicized. So we might. That's we, a word. I, I, apparently, yeah. So I don't know. I'm kind of looking forward to it now. Well, of course, I, 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 the, the same journalist said the same journalist said jailbait was a highlight, which uh, jailbait oh. is not a highlight. Uh, yeah, uh, as I recall, that was one of the songs I hated the most. Yeah, we're the less we yeah. say about jailbait, the better. Uh, but yeah. uh, jailbait, lightning strikes, and Joni's butterfly uh, were were like the three standouts. And uh, lightning strikes we haven't done yet. That was the single. Uh, off this record and a song I, I genuinely dig. I'm kind of saving that one uh, for a little further down the road, but um, we, we get, uh, and actually the song before it is, is Prelude to Joni. So, so yeah, and uh, Prelude to Joni is the first track on side two of uh, Rock and Hard Place. So we have Joni's Butterfly. So it's almost like I'm doing the Genesis show again. We have like a suite of songs here that all tie together. We go from Prelude to Joni to Joni's Butterfly, maybe into Rock and Hard Place, bracket Cheshire Cat, bracket. I'm wondering now if the Cheshire cat eats the butterfly. Oh my. And then the next song is Jig is Up. So there you go. Mm -hmm. Then the Jig is Up and then it's Push Comes to Shove. So side B, even if it's not, we're going to make it uh, a concept record and and tie them all together. I was going to say this might be the closest ever Aerosmith ever came to a concept album. I tell you what, I'm just, I'm doing a Genesis show with Kevin Brown. So I'm all ready to talk concept records and suites and everything else. So really looking forward to when we roll Joni's Butterfly, but we'll save that for uh, potentially next week. Scott Haskin, before we wrap it up here tonight, why don't you tell the fine folks about the Deep Dive Podcast Network? Oh my God, Corey, the Deep Dive Podcast Network is crazy. And everybody can find a show that they absolutely love. You know, of course, besides this wonderful show that we have, you have Backtracks Theme Music with John Mariano. You have, and the podcast will rock with one Mark Kameyer. We have you and Kevin doing a show called The Ultimate Catalog Clash, the one you mentioned where you're currently covering Genesis, getting ready to wrap them up uh, here pretty quick. And then, of course, Kevin does the Tom Petty Project and the Seaside Pod Review with his buddy Randy. I did Uriah Heap, the Magician's Podcast. Nate and John do the Deep Purple Podcast. The Simple Man has Skinnered Reconsidered. Terry T-Bone Mathley has T-Bone's Prime Cuts on the other side. Rye has Sabbath Bloody Podcast, Paul, Joe, and David at In the Lap of the Pods, Andy and Matt at Hawk Binge, Eric and Jonathan at Maiden A to Z, Daniel and Josh at Diary of the Mad Men, the Ultimate Aussie Podcast, Ben and Sam at Universally Speaking, the Red Hot Chili Peppers Podcast, George and Hattie have the Judas Priest Cast, Clay and Rye have North by South Podcast, Greg and Jonathan have So Far, So Pod, So What? Quinn at and volume for all, all things general heavy metal. Seth, Nick, Steve, and Mark at the Rock Roulette podcast, a wheelbase show. Chaz and Greg at Regarding Lulu and Chaz and Shats at Rush Rash. I'm getting used to saying that. That's, that's flowing off my tongue a little bit better than the old days. And of course, we have our buddies, uh, Sean Geek and Fast Brett, Eric at Booked on Rock, Ken Knapsack at Pop Rock and Radio. You can download the app right off of our webpage on my website, scotthaskin.com. Click on the Aerosmith podcast link and scroll down about halfway. You can uh, get the link to that app. Also, all the links to all these podcasts are there. And the flagship show, Pod of Thunder, the, uh, the pinnacle of Deep Dive Podcasting Network. And since I think we're still going to be in October when this show airs, I'll give one more shout out to my friends, Danielle at Scout at Talk Scary to Me. 
That's right. Please go uh, support all those artists and all those shows. Uh, I just want to mention Cam Natsock uh, released his first comedy album uh, called yes, In My Day, live from the Harrison Pub in London. Currently available on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple, and wherever you get your music from. Or you can go right to his Bandcamp and get the special edition, which, which includes over 30 minutes of bonus content. That's what I would recommend you go do. That's kidnapsock.bandcap.com. Scott asking anything else we should talk about before we wrap it up here tonight. You know what? I had a great, you know, even though this isn't my favorite Aerosmith song, I really enjoyed listening to it. I always find it interesting when they do covers and especially because their covers are so varied in age. You know, this one goes back to the 60s when music sounded completely different. I thought they had a really good modern sound for what I know the Yardbirds to sound like. Uh, overall, I thought it was pretty good and um, I'm glad they did it. You know what? Me too. Uh, a good uh, track from it, really a good record. Uh, Night in the Ruts is one of those that you don't really think about as being an all-time Aerosmith classic, but there is so much good stuff on that record. Uh, and considering like Joe Perry left halfway through, Brad was very close to leaving, and you know the band would be really fractured at that point, and just uh, all the drama and the recording of it, for it to turn out as well as it did is really kind of a miracle. So full credit yeah. to the band and Gary Lyons and everybody for uh, for getting that, that train rolling because... Uh, it, it really is kind of a hidden gem in the uh, Aerosmith catalog. And we have five more songs to go from this album. But Corey, you and I need to, to start thinking about something. It occurred to me as you guys on the And the Podcast Will Rock show have, have covered entire Van Halen albums. And you have done special shows on those albums. We should think about if, if we feel it's appropriate on this format to do anything when we cover a complete album. We've got plenty of them. There's a lot of albums this band has put out. Mm -hmm. Are you thinking maybe like a ranking uh, thing like uh, Mark and I do on the Van Halen show or what did you have in mind? I'm up for anything. I don't know. I, this just literally occurred to me uh, as we were talking, as I was looking at this one thinking, you know, how many songs we have left. Uh, we're a ways away, I think, from most albums being done, but uh, I don't know, it, it might be something that uh, we should talk about. We will. And if you have a suggestion out there, you know, hit us up on Twitter at BT Aerosmith. Uh, Mr. Haskin runs that account and uh, he'd be happy to hear from you. Uh, how would you like us to uh, celebrate our first complete album? That, 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 that's a good thought. We'll have to kick that one over. But until then, on behalf of Scott Haskin, my name is Corey Morissette. Thank you very much for listening. And as always, let's give the final word to Steven Tyler. <laughs>